You need to understand what your flood risk is, uh, your proximity to storm surge, uh, what can happen from a wind perspective, whether that's tornadoes, uh, hurricanes, or some kind of straight line wind, as well as wildfire. And you need to be aware of it because it gives you the basis to do good planning. I'm George Siegel, and this is the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Every week we introduce you to people who are working on real-world problems and providing actual solutions. Tell Us How to Make It Better is partnering with The Readiness Lab, the home for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. Thank you for joining me for today's special episode of the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Hurricane season is right around the corner. And it should be a strong reminder to everyone that there are certain things you should be doing right now to prepare. I made a documentary film called The Last House Standing. There's a link in the show notes for you to watch the film. It's about how we blindly make choices where to live and what we live in without truly understanding the risks involved. And every year when a hurricane, wildfire, tornado, or earthquake hits, we pay for those mistakes big time. Now, during the course of making the film and in the time afterwards, I've had the great fortune to interview experts in the disaster field. I want to share some of those interviews with you in this podcast, highlighting things they said that you should pay attention to and be doing something about right now. One of the toughest guests to get when we were making the film was FEMA Director Brock Long. He's now the Executive Chairman at Haggerty Consulting. We traveled to Washington, D.C. to interview him, and he had a lot of important things to share with us. At the time we did the interview, FEMA was dealing with a major disaster that hit the Florida Gulf Coast, Category 5, Hurricane Michael. Anything that was built largely before the 2001 Florida Building Code was definitely knocked out. And uh, what you also saw in Mexico Beach is that, that the houses were not elevated to handle uh, a Category 3, 4, or 5, you know, almost a 5 landfalling storm. And the one or two houses that did survive were properly elevated, but they were also wind mitigated. Uh, and in that area, a lot of people believe that because hurricanes are classified by wind, that that's what they need to protect, protect themselves from. But ultimately, the most damaging hazard associated with a hurricane is storm surge. It's the ocean rising. It's wind-driven water that rises uh, to great heights. And so we saw, you know, 13, 14, 15 feet of ocean water rise and literally knock homes down and push them back in, you know, far inland uh, and wipe out the community. The reason we don't learn that lesson about storm surge is because those who uh, fail to typically evacuate and heed the warning for evacuation and experience storm surge don't live to tell about it. Yeah. Now what should people who live in coastal areas in other parts of the country, there's places that probably have never seen a hurricane just like that, what should they learn about this most recent disaster? So regardless of where you live, uh, you need to do a risk assessment. Get to know your local emergency management agency director. Uh, understand the risks that are associated with your community. Uh, along the coast, you got to understand whether or not you reside in a storm surge vulnerable area. You need to take a look at the house to see if it's constructed for, for different levels or categories of wind uh, that are there. Um, and then you, you have to be properly insured. Insurance is the first line of defense. FEMA's individual assistance program, if you are uninsured and lose your house, is not going to make you whole. It is designed to kickstart recovery. The first line of defense is insurance. And if you're insured, you will, you will be on the road and pathway to recovery, comprehensive recovery, much, much quicker than if you're dependent on the Federal Emergency Management Agency's individual assistance program. If someone builds in a flood area or lives in a flood area and their property gets destroyed, are they allowed or should they be allowed to rebuild it 
the way it was before it was destroyed. Well, you know, and this is this is a moral hazard. Should the federal government and the taxpayers continue to rebuild communities to the same pre-disaster standard? I, I don't believe that we should. I think that um, Mexico Beach has a real opportunity. The Mexico beaches of the world that have been through this have a real opportunity to set the example of how to be a resilient coastal community going forward, and ultimately it will benefit them. Um, yes, I believe that, that people will come in and rebuild, but let's just hope that they do it to a much higher standard to prevent this from happening again. Roy Wright is the CEO of the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. One of the questions we asked him was, how important is it to really put some thought into where you are buying or renting? You know, I, I think anytime you are choosing a place where your family is going to live, you need to do it with your eyes wide open. You need to be focused on uh, what those risks can be. Uh, clearly this plays out from a homeowner's perspective because that's a long-term uh, investment and often the greatest asset that any um, American family has. But it's also true in terms of what you can lose in terms of possessions as a renter. You need to understand what your flood risk is, uh, your proximity to storm surge, uh, what can happen from a wind perspective, whether that's tornadoes, uh, hurricanes, or some kind of straight line wind, as well as wildfire. And you need to be aware of it because it gives you the basis to do good planning. Let's talk about that for a moment because when you have a choice about where to live, um, you can take all of those factors into place and maybe you'll choose one house over another. But for many American families, there's not a lot of choosing to do. Uh, we watch um, houses that are passed down from generation to generation. You look at the central part of North Carolina, Lumberton, and the areas outside of Fayetteville. They were hit by Matthew and again by Florence. Um, they had wind impact on the roofs. They had flooding uh, that played out as well. Many of those homes, maybe a majority of those homes, were legacy homes. They'd been passed down from generation to generation. They didn't make an active choice about where to live. In many instances, most Americans are living proximate to family, school, and jobs. So we asked Roy, what are some of the things everyone should be doing when choosing a place to live? You start by having conversations um, with neighbors and realtors. I think that kind of story is always the best place to start. You can then turn to online tools. Uh, there are great ways to see um, wildfire hazards and uh, flood hazards um, online um, that will help inform that. But you want to have those conversations and you particularly want to have those conversations with people who've been in the community for 20, 30, even 50 years. You see how far that can go back. Um, those storylines feed a whole lot. Um, there are a set of, as I said, a whole lot of online kinds of pieces, um, but you've got to be looking for it in order to put those into motion. Uh, I look forward to a moment where some of these more online real estate uh, tools begin to package that all together so that when the pictures come up of the um, uh, pretty dining room in the apartment and the countertops and the restroom uh, and the balcony or uh, the school, you're seeing that kind of information at the exact same time. That's where we need to be at as it goes forward. 
Joseph Barbera is an associate professor at George Washington University. He's also the lead professor in the Crisis Emergency and Risk Management Program at the university. He knows a great deal about risks and says, you need to understand what the risks are when you choose a place to live. So what I would tell people is that you should look very closely um, at what the actual risk is uh, where you've decided to live, and especially before you've decided to live there, or if you have some um, if you have some influence on a home that's being built, etc. Uh, because there's a lot of things that one can do um, to um, address some critical elements of the risk. So I, I think um, with a hurricane, recognize what that risk is and be prepared to evacuate in time. Um, and, and, and that's important. But if you're going to um, decide to live in a box canyon in a wildfire area where the only way out is downhill with a likely fire moving rapidly uphill, um, there might be not be the options to act, evacuate and one should really think a lot about that before you decide to live there. So and, and part of this is again what, what's your risk tolerance, you as an individual and you, and, and you as a family when you decide where you're going to live or what you're going to do about renovating or, um, or what else you might do to reduce risk. So I think one really should look at the vulnerabilities and then stratify them. So the, you know, the highest priority is life safety things for you and your family. What, what, what can kill you and what can cause you know, life-threatening and long-term injury? Uh, and, and, and we should be able to be comfortable that we've addressed those types of things from my perspective. Um, and then it's, um, you know, it's residence and property. Uh, what can I afford to lose without total financial ruin? Um, and, uh, and what can I do about it if I'm still going to live there? Because there are many interventions that can be done um, uh, in any of these risk situations. It can reduce the consequences if the hazard does occur. Professor Barbera used an emergency management expression that ended up on our film poster and to me really sums up the problem with getting people properly prepared. People want to believe that it won't happen to them. You're rolling the dice if you choose to live there, do nothing about the risk, and, um, and, and, uh, and just hope, right? I mean, one of the cliches in emergency management is hope is not a strategy. One of the people featured in the film that was a wealth of great information is Eris Papadopoulos. He's the founding chair of the Resilience Action Fund and the author of the book Resilience, The Ultimate Sustainability. Eris tells it like it is when summing up the construction industry, focusing on the fact the consumer really has no idea what they're getting when buying a house. It all boils down to economics. If things are made more vulnerable, it's cheaper. And if it's cheaper and the customer is not willing to pay more for a resilient home, there's more profit. So it's all driven by profit. But it seems like if you got it right the first time, if somebody said, look, I want a more resilient home, they would spare themselves so much grief when we see what happens in these disasters. The truth is that if people knew how important having a resilient home is and would value it, they definitely would be better off. Their investment would be protected, their possessions would be protected, and more important, their lives and that of their families would be protected. We need a system that has more longer-term liability for built uh, for purpose. In other words, when a home is built, it's not good enough to be built to code. It should be built to withstand the local hazards. And most of those local hazards are really known to us. So 
I think the legal system needs to adapt to a higher standard of responsibility, I call it, and uh, liability, perhaps, uh, but definitely, uh, you know, accountability uh, to hold the, the builder, building community, to hold permitting officials, to hold the, the engineers and architects uh, to a uh, performance standard. What do you think about the idea of restricting land ownership near the ocean? Um, for example, not let people build in vulnerable areas, make them make better decisions. I think that's an important question that we have to ask ourselves. In other words, where is the vulnerability so high that we should not be developing? Because when we develop in risky areas, it's not just that person there that is taking on that responsibility. It's the community that takes on the responsibility. So it's a liability for many more people, for society. Are there ways to build with resilience in mind that are also cost effective? Can you have both? Well, I think we've demonstrated that here in South Florida. We've been building for decades to standards much higher than the, the rest of the country in terms of wind, uh, 175, 180 miles an hour. And uh, we found efficient ways to do it. Uh, the, the industry needs to go through innovation, through a learning process and through a cost curve process in order to get there. The car industry did this decades ago with car safety. Initially, they said, well, we can't meet those standards. We don't know the solutions. They're going to be expensive and the consumers won't, won't want them. Well, guess what? They innovative. They uh, went down the cost curves. They brought down the cost of those solutions. And today's consumers would not do without the safety standards we have in cars, even if we invited them to save money by taking them out. At this point, it's not likely you're going to be able to completely change your house for hurricane season. But there are a few things you can do that will make a difference if a disaster strikes. First, check your insurance policy and make sure you have the right type of coverage. Ask your insurance agent to explain it to you. That is their job. Look into getting a flood insurance policy. If you don't live in a designated flood zone, it's more affordable than you might think. Now, there's a 30-day waiting period for it to become active, so don't wait until the last minute to get this. Also, go around your house and take pictures of all your stuff and store them somewhere safe in the cloud. If you get hit by a disaster, having those could make the difference between having your claim paid or not. It can also be valuable to have your home inspected to know what the vulnerabilities are and if there's a way to fix them. I encourage everyone to do something. Doing nothing is a recipe for a worse disaster. If you liked what you were listening to today, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Share the link and leave a review if you can. There's also a link to our contact form in the show notes. If you have any suggestions for future guests or comments about the show you just were listening to, I would love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining me today on the Tell Us How to Make a Better podcast. See you next time.